Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode 24 of the Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. Today, I am joined by Ted and Sherb. Yeah, hello. hello. How you doing, gentlemen? Doing all right. Doing great. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Manta Sleep. Ooh. That's exciting, right? Yeah. First podcast sponsor. Cheers. Manta Sleep are the makers of the Manta Sleep Mask. And if you've ordered a plethora of sleep masks off Amazon like I have, you've gotten one of two things from two completely different styles of products. So you get the one that finally fits your head well and can actually stay on the rest of the night and it's like someone poked holes in it with a needle and you can see light anyways and it's kind of pointless. It's not really all that comfortable. And then you have the really comfortable one, the one that covers like a lot of your face so yep. it blacks everything out and then you wake up in 10 minutes and it's off your head. Yeah. Or like spun around backwards. Exactly. Yeah. One eye's showing. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. It was probably six or seven months ago that I sent you a text asking you because you said you had found one that yeah. you really liked. Yeah. That was the Manta Sleep Mask. Yeah. When we first started the podcast, we talked about the sleep episode and it was like shortly after I'd gotten the sleep mask from Manta and man, let me tell you, it changed the game for sure. Like if you're sensitive to light at all or you just want to improve the quality of your sleep, this thing blacks everything out and you can still open your eyes. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So essentially what you're looking at is, is one of the straps that does a really good job of staying on your head, but then they have, um, what I would call like modular, like eye patch kind of things. Yeah. Adjustable eye cups. Yeah. Yeah. Adjustable eye cups kind of things. Eye cups, you know, one of, one of those things sounds better <laughs> than the other eye cups. and you can move them around and they really work well. And Manta, uh, was nice enough to give us a link mantasleep.com forward slash misfit project. Once again, without stuttering, mantasleep.com forward slash Misfit Project. Save yourself 10%. Uh, we've been approached by other companies for ads on this podcast, and we have not gone with any yet because we promised you guys at the very beginning that we would only put stuff out there that we actually used. We actually use this. We love it. Go get you one. Yeah, it's great. All right. Today's episode, episode 24, four steps to helping someone make a change. Um, this is a... This is an extremely important topic if you want to take on the like grandiose statement of trying to change the world. And that's, you know, whether you're trying to move a millimeter or a marathon, like if you're trying to make change in the world, you're going to have to be able to go out there and persuade people, whether it's a large group you're giving a speech or it's someone in your life that you're, you know, maybe worried about or something or someone that you want to join you on your path, whatever it is. And I can tell you that this is this is a, a topic near and dear to me because I've gone through a huge transformation on this, and that transformation is actually what led me to wanting to start the Misfit Project. Um, you have a ton of experience in this field because you work with so many people within the gym, and if you do a, a shitty job, your business isn't going to do so well. Yeah, your, your gym will sink if you're not able to help people understand that the changes that you're trying to get them to make are for their betterment. Um, there is, like any other thing, anytime the change comes up, there's lots of resistance to change. But like the perfect example for me is like my mother who never, ever, ever did anything active and kept, you know, would hang out at the gym, maybe sit at the front look and observe but would still not like jump in and all i tried to do is to make sure that i was there as a support system because for a lot of people that change is so scary that it's easier not to change so 
you know, for me finding a way to help that person understand this is for their betterment and that I'm there to help as soon as you are ready, um, goes a long way. I mean, you you try to force someone to change, you might get them to change their habit for like a week or two, but it's not going to last. And my goal is like with exercise, for example, because we own gyms is to have people embrace exercise and want to do it volitionally, not because I said so, because they actually see the benefits and they want to know they enjoy that what happens as a result of exercising. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is something I could near and dear to me, totally. <laughs> so step one here is completely on you, completely about you on your own without this person actually involved yet, and that is identifying your own motivation. You have to know why you are trying to get this person to make a change. And if it's really selfish, or if it's for some sort of like trivial reason, it's probably not going to work all that well. Um, people see through that pretty quick. Exactly. People see through that pretty quick. And then to be perfectly honest, you might not be there for the follow through if it's not really as important as that person making an actual change. So you really need to be able to say to yourself, okay, I like, like we get, we can give an example. Like you want someone in your life to lose weight. Um, why is that? You know, is your husband a little bit overweight and you want him to look a certain way? Is it about, you know, that person's actual health? Um, You know, really sit down and try to identify the reason. And what that's going to do for you specifically is it's going to give you an opportunity to, like, be all in on what you're trying to do. Again, it's not just going to be something where you're like, oh, okay, well, I tried. I gave them the information. They didn't do all that well. Like that's, that's the place that we, or I used to go to that obviously doesn't work all that well. And what I've noticed is I have to really take a full step back and ask myself why I'm trying to help someone make this change. I mean, for a lot of these changes, like again, going back to the gym example, cause that's where I'm going to draw most of my experiences from is that I've seen what it does for someone when they're able to do something they haven't been able to do. And that brings them a lot of joy. And for me, that's what's exciting. That's why I like doing what I do for a living is it makes me really happy when someone says, you know, I was able to do something I couldn't have done a year ago if I hadn't come here and used this program and just essentially kind of bought in and listened. Um, And like a perfect example of this is that someone dropped into the gym this weekend and they're like, I'd like to sign up for your beginner's class. And their goal was to get through the sweaty Saturday workout and they didn't make it a full round. And he went a little too hard, you know, saw this, saw the light at the end of the tunnel, had to go outside and like compose himself, but was still all in. And he said, what sold him on this is that he's got a three month old you know, baby boy and he wants to be able to play with that child later on. And for me, it's like, that's, that's your motivation. And I'm here to help you with that. And because you know, our goal is to allow you to do things like play with your kids or, you know, move a couch or go for a 5k or hike or do a five, uh, a Spartan race. Like those are all things that, um, you know, I can directly link to health and wellness. And even though it may seem kind of trivial sometimes to come in and like swing a kettlebell, swinging a kettlebell might make you a better 5k runner and finding those little pieces of motivation or what ultimately helps people buy in and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Once you've gotten to that point where you kind of know why you're doing what you're doing, you're still on your own here. It's about walking the walk. How many people do we know that are out there in this wacky fitness, health, and wellness field that say all kinds of crazy stuff and do none of it? I mean, you can tell a lot of the times just by looking at the person, whether they're 
about all this stuff or whether they're, you know, a snake oil salesman trying to sell you something kind of ridiculous. Um, what's, what's challenging in this whole realm of, of knowing this information and wanting to help other people is that there's sort of like a, a place and a time for it. And sometimes as, as you know, a, a health and wellness, you know, teacher, you need a break from this situation. So like you're with your family or something and everyone like if, if they don't if they aren't around you as much sometimes they're on edge like should I eat this around him should I drink this around him like that kind of thing and then it's almost like like there's this like tension there like there's going to be an argument at some point about like whether cavemen ate bread or like just some sort of wacky scenario and a lot of that's about not like putting your stuff on other people like really kind of doing that and what you'll find is you'll find people that get really 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 defensive about it and you didn't even say anything I, you didn't even start the conversation about wanting someone to do x y or z and they're already mad at you so one thing that i've learned over the course of these last 10 years of being in the fitness field and trying to help people make change is that i used to be very abrasive and it now to this day still puts people on edge to the point where they're worried about like should i eat this or is this gonna you know set off an argument and now that like i get that stuff from my like my mother like she's worried that if she eats bread in front of me that i'm gonna flip out <laughs> on her and i'm like listen like we've talked about this it doesn't mean no good to get up in arms or go over to your bread and stuff it you know in the trash can like that's that's not gonna help you make a change because your, your bread, bread. <laughs> probably go over get over your bread <laughs> buy another loaf so my my goal is again to be a support system to make them understand that like there are better choices out there and that if, if I'm abrasive with this, you're not going to help someone. So empathizing and helping them understand the real reason why you're saying the things, not just going bad, don't do that. doesn't really go very far. So right. that's a, a huge part of this is, and then I try to make sure that when I say something like that, you wouldn't catch me later on, like digging the bread up on the trash can <laughs> and eating it. Throw it in your backpack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I got to confiscate this and I'm at home eating it myself. So, you know, I think a big part of that is just you know, you try to set an example for somebody else. So, you know, if I say, I want you to do X, Y, and Z at the gym today, that I should be able to invest in my ability to do the exact same thing, or that kind of makes me a hypocrite. And that gives me less credibility. And going back to what you said, the people that sell multiple things, or maybe like snake oil salesmen, you'll see them start a new project or a new thing like every few months. Right. And that's just because they're just trying to get more people to buy in, buy in, buy in. And when it doesn't go their way, they're like, ah, onto something else. So, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're trying to help somebody, walking the walk allows you to draw from your own experiences as well. Yeah. So, you know, when you're, say, trying to eat better, sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes you want that trash can bread. Sometimes you want a slice of pizza. And you can use the tools that help you get through it to communicate to somebody and help them get through it. Right. And it can be like an indirect message to them. Right. Like, right. like I've like been there. This is what I did. Right. They're trying to reverse engineer the scenario. Like every year, um, I, I go and help, uh, my, my in-laws take the dock out of the lake or put it back into the lake. And, um, my father-in-law was like just coming off of shoulder surgery. So we went there and we were doing this and it was a bunch of people from around the lake helping out people that I had never met before. And I think that they might have known them a little bit better and told them what I did for work. So it had, it had already started like just this whole thing of like, 
oh, isn't that stuff bad for you? Aren't you going to get injured? Doesn't this happen? Whatever. <laughs> and I just sort of went with it, like kind of shrugged it off. Well, eventually we had to get in the water and I had to take my shirt off. And one of the guys said to the other guy who was a little overweight, he said, well, I want to look like this kid, not like you. <laughs> and it was, and it was, he and found it, his motivation. And I, well, but it was just this moment of like, I'm, this is not the time and place for this. I'm not going to give someone a lecture with their shirt off about health and wellness. Like all I can do in this scenario is, you know, be nice to them and, you know, try to create a rapport. And if I ever see them again, maybe the opportunity will be there. But that sort of thing right there and then after that it became a joke and then it was like so what do you guys actually do and it became it like kind of lightened the mood a little bit and we were able to talk about you know how do i eat and what do i do for exercise right. and no i don't only climb ropes and hit tires with sledgehammers like yeah, you i know do. that's I've a reebok it. commercial you ever I've hit a tire it. with a sledgehammer <sighs> i think as a joke <laughs> while i was talking about making fun of certain commercials but <laughs> so We've gone through two of the four steps. The first one is finding your motivation. The second one is making sure that you're walking the walk, making sure that you're setting an example so that you can sort of plant the seeds for the change that you're trying to help someone make. Um, now we're going to get into actually starting to help this person make the change. If you've listened to this podcast from episode one through episode 24, you know sort of what our system is in terms of, you know, we go from making sure that you're spending time with people that you enjoy and being outside to taking a, a really in-depth look at your sleep, uh, ways to combat stress, your nutrition, your movement, all these different things. Um, there is an order to them in terms of if you're the one trying to make the changes yourself, but if you're trying to help someone else, step number three is finding your in. Find that category that they are willing to change. Talk about certain topics Make it indirect, make it direct, whatever you need to do, and find out where they're willing to start making these changes. There is a place for absolutely everyone, and it, and it can be as simple as one of the things that we talk about in the sleep episode. You know, buy them some blue light blocking glasses that cost a couple of bucks. Um, talk to them about, you know, those sleep statistics on if you just sleep more than six hours, you're going to burn X amount of fat. Like... There's something in one of those categories that you can get someone interested in. It's that thinking of, I think that you need to start here and you need to do this this way and you need to completely change your life because I told you so. That doesn't work. If it worked, I don't Everyone even think this... Everyone would be healthy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Job, it, it, yeah. So. You know, if that whole shaming thing or that whole, like a lot of times it does still come from a place of love, you know, frustration and, it's and all that. It's just correctly. Ex exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it's so important to think about it from this point of view, you know, in a lot of these scenarios, people are sick. Well, I'd say that honestly, this, again, I, going back to the gym, but the way this works for me is that it starts with a conversation. It could be fucking about anything. It could be about the weather today and it turns into, you know, I didn't sleep last night cause it was humid. And then you just talk about literally anything and it, eventually something comes out that they want to either address whether that's the nutrition their sleep their stress and all you have to do is sit there and listen to them and actually listen to what they have to say and then you can offer a suggestion and a lot of times when they're talking about what they do you're going to find something that's good or positive that you can kind of highlight and say listen you're already doing x have you tried y 
And for a lot of people, building on that success or that momentum allows them to then take the next step in fixing something else. And I found that works really, really well with, you know, CrossFit, for example. I had people in the gym that were like, hey, I really, really like the gym, but anytime we go overhead, I'm really, really struggling with those movements. And I say, well, I see you put lots of effort into, you know, stretching your hamstrings before class. Have you ever thought about doing a little bit for your upper body? And they're like, no, but I'm like, well, you put so much time into your lower body. Why not think about your upper body in the same way? And something as simple as like, here is one thing you can do on your own at home that you don't need the gym for. Spend a couple minutes per day doing this. And then they come back a few weeks later and it's like, hey, my shoulder problem has totally gone away. Or now I can do things that I couldn't do before. And it all just started with like listening to what they want to do and then giving them one thing to focus on after talking about like what they're already doing well and giving them momentum to kind of build going forward. Well, and that's really important because the name of the game in this conversation is trust and vulnerability. And if someone feels like they can trust you because you have the proper motivation and because you set an example and you're not lying to them before you even get started, if they really trust you, then you have an opportunity to make like real serious change. And that trust can be developed again through um, something that actually works. So like you give them something simple and they're like, oh yeah, okay. If I, you know, get an air conditioner or something during the summer and I put it in my window, I'm going to feel way better in the morning. And then the next day they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> not tossing and turning all night. It's pretty nice. I mean, that happened with a bunch of our athletes. We had a, we sponsor a bunch of athletes in Texas and this is years ago now, but I was just like, you're not going to produce any testosterone, any growth hormone in the night because you're never going to get into deep sleep. And that, you know, for an athlete is like, you know, light bulb goes off. Right. And then they're like, oh my God, my training's been so much better and whatever. Like, that's how you make a segue to another topic. Like, remember that like harebrained thing that I told you before that ended up not being stupid that worked really well? Like, obviously you don't say that. They're the ones that think that. But mm -hmm. that's how you get an opportunity to continue to create momentum with that person and keep moving. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, for me, it, it always goes back to finding that thing they're doing really, really well, and then finding what really motivates them. It's and it does take a little bit of time. Like you're not someone's not going to walk in day one unless they verbalize exactly why they're there, what actually makes them tick. But having a conversation, and if you really, really want to help people, that is where it starts. You have to be generally interested in what people have to say to you. And yes, sometimes that ends up going into avenues that you, maybe you do or do not want to talk about. But that's how you get those little nuggets of information so you can actually help someone make a change. And like I said, if you can start with finding things that are positive, you can help build momentum. And then you figure out what makes them tick. And for me, having people of all walks of life from like, I really, really want to get better at X lift or like, I just when I'm gonna be able to like get off my cholesterol medication, like that's their why you have to figure out what that is and help give them the little steps towards working towards it. Because if you just say, you know, come to the gym six days a week without giving much direction, you're not really helping them unless you give them a little bit more to it. Now going to the gym is a great first step, but you need to talk about other things that can happen along the way that would allow them to either make their goals or maybe potentially miss their goals. So in a lot of these scenarios though, these people did, they're not going to be walking into your gym. True. Very they true. might not walk into your house. They might not call you, text you. You might see them on Thanksgiving, Christmas, whenever. Like, how do you take those skills that you have developed in person, in the gym, and use them? Like, how, how could you, like, take an example of, like, you know, your great aunt, like, looks like she's pre-diabetic and you want to help? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
this is not an easy conversation to have because if like I could get really like dry and sciencey and then that's just going to turn no see that's to the, sleep yeah exactly <laughs> but I'm not talking about what methods you would use in terms of like you should stop doing this this or this what can you do to make that person feel comfortable so that they know that you care about them and that they can trust you and that you're not like walking into their living room and shaming them because they're honestly i just i asked them the like how, how they're feeling like that's the first thing i asked like if it's the first time seeing you in a while like you know how's uncle al you know whatever like how's he doing like <laughs> do you actually have uncle al i do oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know so you start there and you just talk about like seriously like any like mundane things you have to get people to like buy into the, that you're actually genuinely caring and, and truly i do but it's one of those things where like you have to build some type of relationship there because some of these relatives you only see maybe once or twice per year and you just start with that type of stuff and then you just say you know how are things going and you kind of bridge from like how are your dogs doing to how are you doing and then a lot of times these people want to open up and talk about them because most people's favorite topic is themselves and just it's a matter of fact so through that conversation you can kind of hopefully get to somewhere where they're like hey i'm not sleeping so well or like yeah uncle al's job's been really stressful on me so i don't you know i've been eating worse like those are type of things that you can actually have um come up through that conversation and i'm not saying it's going to be super direct you might be talking to aunt joe for like like two hours but if you're truly trying to help someone you're willing to spend that time listening to them and hopefully figuring out what those little things are to help them make that change. Well, and in that conversation, they'll likely give you keys to that. Like they'll say, Oh, this is really stressful or, Oh, I haven't been X, Y, Z. Like you have to look out for those little things because just going up to somebody with like unsolicited advice, be like, Hey, you want to sleep better? Get the man to sleep. Fuck better. Off, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not going to go well. Like you, they need to show some motivation in their own right right to actually want to make a change and if somebody's complaining about oh my back hurts from sitting all day that's probably something that they'd like to change like mm. oh your back hurts from sitting all day have you thought about a standing desk like you have to listen for that in when you're actually absolutely in the conversation. I, I and, have those conversations and one of those things is that you you put yourself out there is like hey if you ever liked a little bit of help i'm more than happy to help you like the back thing's perfect like we worked at a company called Seabreeze in Portland and they had a bunch of people who do landscaping for a living and they're all like, my biggest thing that happens to me, my back hurts. I'm like, well, would you like it if I showed you two things you can do literally at work to help fix some of these problems if your back gets tight? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, let me ask you a question. Would you rather look silly because you're doing some kind of stretch at work or would you rather be hurt? And everyone's like, I'd rather look silly than be hurt. I'm like, exactly. So now this is how I can help you with this. And we're only asking for a couple of minutes of your time and these stretches and something you could do on your break instead of having a, you know, maybe having a cigarette instead. And now your back doesn't bother you and you're able to do your job better. You have a better quality of life because you're not hurting all day at work, which is for a lot of people, that's what happens with manual labor is that your body's constantly getting beat up and they're hurt. So here are a couple of little things. And this is based solely upon the fact they said, and hey, my back's a little tight. And it, I didn't say, I didn't come up to him and say, Hey, let me fix your back. That's not what the way you do it. You let them kind of voice what they're going through and then you can find a way to help them. And hopefully that one piece of help, like here's a stretch turns into, have you thought about eating, you know, a less inflammatory diet? Have you thought about sleeping more? And then you can kind of go into other avenues. Absolutely. <clears throat> the final step here is potentially the most important step and it's don't quit. If you are truly motivated to help someone, and you know that they're sick, and you know that almost any sort of sickness can lead to mental health issues, they could be in a deeper, darker place than, than you're comfortable with, or that you know about, or that you've ever experienced, 
and one little stab at, you know, here's some information. I'll send you a link. Um, you know, here are some, you know, macro numbers, here's some exercises that you can do. And then walking away is, it's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it for nine out of 10 situations. You can help someone for a very short period of time and then let them slip back into what they were up to before really easily. Like, and that's why I think, that's why I think that that motivation piece is so important because you have to understand that if someone is really struggling, that it's going to be like a project. It's going to be like a real project to try to get out there and help somebody make a serious change in their life. And if you're like, I was when I was younger, you know, I had all this information and then I thought that this podcast was supposed to be the things that you could say about trying to help the person with diabetes, but that's not what this is about. We know how all of this stuff works. People that have, people that are pre-diabetic are pretty sure that it's cake and cookies and soda and whatever that gives them diabetes. That's not what this is all about at all. You know, these, you know, we throw around some science stuff in some of these episodes, but again, it's just not what it's about. A lot of that is byproducts of very simple behavior. We're just going deeper into it because it gets people excited about it, makes people talk about it, makes people want to share it, makes people want to do it, find these changes. In all actuality, everything that we're doing here, everything that we're asking people to do here is very simple. And it's about how do we get people to actually do them? One of the ways is to appeal to you, all you nerds out there listening to this <laughs> by doing certain podcasts about autophagy and all kinds of different stuff like that. But it's also about four steps to helping someone make a change and being motivated and setting a good example finding it in anywhere. There's always going to be a crack in there to be able to find your way in to give them something simple that makes a measurable change. So then you can say, you know, do you trust me now? Let's try something else. But again, that second thing's got to be simple too. And you just got to try to add on to that. And then you cannot quit. You can't just give people information and walk away and think that they're going to be, I mean, there are books out there. There are other podcasts out there. There's so many. All, there's so much information out there. You're not the only one with the information. It's not, you know, all that special that you have the information. It's special if you can go in and help somebody make a change in their life. And persistence is, man, really, really important. Keeping up with people. Yeah. I mean, going back to the family thing again, my mother was super out of shape. I mean, she was 70, 80 pounds overweight, didn't ever exercise. Like her exercise involved, like if it was cold outside and there was ice on our driveway, her walking up our driveway instead of driving her car up it, which happens, you know, a dozen times a year. That was literally the extent of her exercise. She also ate very poorly. And for the longest time it was, hey, I'd like to help you. Like I'd recognize she was out of shape and unhealthy, but I was like probably 12 or 13 back when I was like, I want to help you get healthy and we'd like go to the track and she gets super sore and never do anything again for years and years and years, which wasn't the right step. But just staying on her like hey why don't you just come to the gym and watch just watch i don't want you to work out just come in and watch and then watching turned into oh i'll try sweaty saturday which is our free class on the weekend to all right i'm gonna try your beginner's class to now it's all right see you on see you on tuesday see you on thursday is something i'll say to her whenever she leaves the gym because it's like a running joke now but like i i'm there kind of in her corner like hey i'll see you next time like i don't care how much weight you lifted how much time it took you i'm just happy you're here kind of thing and if people can see that you're genuinely invested in their health and you're trying to genuinely help them, not just for the means of like financial gain or whatever other gain you could have, they see that you actually care about them. That's the biggest step is building that trust. And if you can do that, build trust, 
you're going to have success with helping someone change. That's to me, the number one key. What kind of change do you think that you made for her to trust you more in that? I honestly think that to, for me, it was changing the way I approached the conversation. I used to be like, Hey, you're like 50 pounds overweight and super unhealthy. You should probably do something about that, which wasn't the right Mom. call. Well, <laughs> seriously, like it used to. Everyone my, knows families have gr growing, growing up. My, my mom and I butted heads quite a bit. So like, I'm sure I came off very abrasive and because I was abrasive, she was defensive. And, and that's a very common tactic. When someone's abrasive, you get defensive and you deflect somebody else or you just shut down and you walk away because you don't want to hear it. And instead it was like, whenever you're interested mom i'd like for you to come watch class like if you have time you know dad's been doing it he seems to be really liking it. i think you'd probably enjoy it too there are other people here that are of all walks of life it's not a bunch of athletes you see your, your husband doing it he was not an athlete he came in and decided my son owns a gym i'll go there that's that could be you too so for me it was just trying to give little encouraging steps like hey, come try it come watch come watch and then after a few times of watching why don't you just try this workout and our first workout was I, I want to say like 30 single under skips with a jump rope and like 10 wall balls. And after every set of 10 jump ropes, she's, I gave her a bench to sit on. I was like, this is CrossFit. And she's like, it is. I'm like, yeah, this is all what I've been doing, trying to get you to do the whole time is just move your body. She's like, wow, this is not what I thought it was at all. I'm like, that's what I was trying to make the connection. Rope climbs and sledgehammers. <laughs> no, I didn't, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bust out the sledgehammer or my mom kick up into a handstand on day one, but it was just- No be, chains? No, <laughs> just about being supportive and showing, showing her what she was capable of and that honestly found that for her, that we found little milestones like she couldn't, she couldn't jog more than 100 meters and that turned into 150 and then it turned into 200 and she started seeing progress and making friends and building relationships to the gym that are outside of me, which I think led to her now being- you know, consistent going on three years. So, you know, big change in her life based on just trying to be supportive versus just telling her what to do, which didn't clearly work. So just one experience in my life. Cool, man. <laughs> so I think we covered it. Um, a lot of people send messages. A lot of people want to know how they can help the Misfit Project. It seems kind of cheesy, but this is how you can help the Misfit Project. Help someone in your life make a change. That is what we are, we are trying to accomplish. We are trying to get the information out there for people so that it can be a choice whether they are happy, fulfilled, energetic, all of these different things. It's really important to us. And, you know, the listeners of this are sort of like the, you know, the, the misfit army. Like you guys go out and you help people make changes. And we've gotten plenty of, of messages that, you know, were to that effect. Me and my boss take a walk at lunch and he's feeling better now that he's getting outside a little bit more. So I was able to help him with, you know, maybe skip breakfast and, you know, have a salad for lunch, whatever it is. We've gotten those messages. But if you really want to help, please keep it up. Please help other people change. It could be through listening to the podcast. It could just be through you using these four steps. Um, I think that's it, gentlemen. Yeah. Mm. You can find us on social media at the misfit.project on Instagram, misfit project, just about everywhere else, misfitproject.com. If you would like to read the blog posts associated with these, uh, podcasts, um, little reminder, mantasleep.com forward slash misfit project, mantasleep.com forward slash it's the slash that gets me forward slash, slash misfit project. Get Check your 10% off. I think that's it. Till next time. Yes. See you guys.